You're listening to Christian Life Issues for today, and this is December the 29th, and we're continuing our study of reaching the ear of God with the subject of prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray. In 1 John chapter uh, 4, 5 rather, in verse 14, the Bible says that this is our confidence before God that if we ask anything according to the will of God, he hears us. Well, what we're doing now is studying what our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, manifest in the flesh, teaches us about prayer. We've been looking at what he has to say about this issue in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, verses uh, 5 through 13. And thus far, we've uh, found that Jesus teaches us that when we come to the issue of prayer, we're praying to our Father, which means that we have become Christians, we've received Jesus Christ, and therefore, as John 1.12 says, we've been given the right or the privilege or the authority to be called the sons of God. And so as sons of God, we're coming to a father, a father whom Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as the father of mercy and the father of compassion. And Jesus in this great text in the book of Matthew says that he's our father who is in heaven. So he's far superior to any father that we might have had here on the earth. Then we were taught that we should come to God saying, hallowed be your name. We studied what that means to hallow the name of God, to pray that God's name might be hallowed or might become holy to us, uh, set apart. And uh, what that means, that was in one of our podcasts where we dealt with that issue very clearly and carefully. And then we're taught that we should pray, thy kingdom come. And we talked about what really to pray thy kingdom come involves. We had a podcast on that, explaining that very carefully. And then we're to pray thy will be done. And we talked about what it means to pray that God's will might be done. God has a moral will, of course, which is to be done. God also has a sovereign will, which we know either by history or by providence, providence, prophecy, which is found in the Word of God. God prophesies that certain thing will happen, and therefore it will happen. For hundreds of years, he prophesied that the Messiah would come, and in due time, as Paul says in the book of Galatians, at the proper time, uh, Christ did come. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, And then we pray, thy will be done, his sovereign will, his moral will, and uh, the the, uh, power of grace, God's kingdom might come in the area of grace. We studied what it means for God to be king. He is king, and he has a kingdom. And what that means, we talked about that in one of our podcasts. And uh, today we come to where Jesus teaches us that it's the will of God for us to pray, 1 John 5 and verse 14, 
uh, that God's will will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Now, throughout the ages, great leaders of the Christian faith have always regarded prayer as of utmost importance. In his sermon called True Prayer, True Power, Charles Spurgeon indicated how important he believed prayer to be in the life of the individual as well as in the ministry of the church. He said, Would it not be a vile crime if a man had an eye given him which he would not open, or a hand that he would not lift up, or a foot that grew stiff because he would not use it? And what must we say of ourselves when God has given us power and prayer, and yet that power lies still? Oh, if the universe was as still as we are, where would we be? Oh God, you have given us light by the sun, and the sun shines with that light. You have given light even to the stars, and they twinkle. To the winds you have given force, and they blow and to the air. Thou hast given life, and it moves, and men breathe thereof. But to your people you have been given a gift that is better than the force of life and light, and yet your people permit it to lie still, forgetful almost that they wield the power of prayer, and they seldom exercise it though it would be blessed to countless multitudes. Weep, Christian man. Constantine, the emperor of Rome, saw that on the coins of other emperors, their images were in an erect posture, triumphing. Instead thereof, he ordered that his image would be struck kneeling, for he said that the way in which I have triumphed is through kneeling. We shall never triumph till our image is struck kneeling. The reason why we have been defeated and why our banners, which usually go along with victory, trail in the dust is because we have not prayed. Go, go back to your God with sorrow. Confess before him that you were an armed and that you carried bows, military weapons, but turn your backs on the day of battle. Go to your God and tell him that if souls are not saved, it is not because he doesn't have the power to save, but because we have never travailed, as it were, for those souls to be brought forth in new birth. We have travailed in prayer for perishing sinners. Spurgeon says, wake up, wake up. Be astonished, you careless ones. You who have neglected prayer, you sinners who have been at ease. Wake up, wake up yourselves wrestle and strive with your God and then the blessing shall come the early and latter rain of his mercy and the earth shall spring forth plenteously and all the nations shall call him blessed look up then and weep 
Spurgeon truly believed the words of Scripture recorded in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. In the past several podcasts, we've been studying our Lord's teaching in the phrase, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've looked carefully at the words, Thy will be done and the words on earth. In the previous podcast, we learned that the words on earth teach us about the proper scope and focus of our prayers. Jesus wanted us to pray for everyone, everywhere, who is still on the earth. We come now to the last phrase of this petition, Thy will be done as it is in heaven. Question is, what did Jesus mean when he taught us to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? First consider the meaning of the small but important word as. It means in the same manner or in the same way or to the same degree. When we pray this, we're actually praying, Lord, I want your will to be done on earth in the same way as it's done in heaven. That brings it us to the focus of our study in this podcast. How is God's will done in heaven? When that, what does that mean to us on earth? So what does the word as mean in this petition? Well, it means that we're praying that God might cause his will to be done universally. God's will is done in heaven universally. This means that in heaven, every creature does the will of God. There isn't anybody in heaven who doesn't do the will of God. There are no exceptions. There was a time when a high angel, who is now called Satan, and some other angels, who are now called demons, rebelled against God in heaven. This event is described in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 28. We read in Isaiah 14 these words. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will, says the Bible to this angel who is about to fall, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. According to these verses, Satan was one of the most glorious of all the angels. Why was he cast out of heaven? Satan wanted to do his will rather than the will of God. Five times Satan declared, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. 
And because of his rebellion, Satan and the other unclean angels were cast out of heaven. For everyone in heaven, whether angels or men, does the will of God. So when we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that we personally would do God's will here on earth as it's done in heaven. We're also praying the same for our family, our church, our community, and our world. But as 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 says, first of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Our prayer concern should be that God might have his will known and obeyed universally. As David describes as it's being done in heaven, in Psalm 103, he said, Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word. They obey the voice of his word. So when we pray, thy will be done, we're praying that God's will will be done universally here on earth and especially in the church. But when we pray, thy will be done, we're also praying that God will help us to do his will completely and cheerfully. In 1 Kings chapter 10, the queen of Sheba who had heard of the wisdom and wealth of Solomon, came to Israel to see whether it was true. And when Solomon showed her the great kingdom and all his wealth, the queen responded, Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity, the report which I had heard. In fact, this queen was so impressed that she was impressed with more than Solomon's wisdom and wealth. She was impressed by how happy his servants were. She said, how blessed are your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Solomon men, his servants served him with joy and delight. The servants of God in heaven serve him with joy as well. No one in heaven serves grudgingly or because they're forced to or out of fear of punishment. Psalm 16 and verse 11 promises, in thy presence there is fullness of joy. In thy right hand there are pleasures forever. In the book of Revelation, the angels in heaven constantly sing and give praise to God. Psalm 100 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Give praise to God. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful singing. In fact, that's the only kind of service that God accepts. 
God wants us to serve him gladly, cheerfully, not because it's our duty. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible tells us that the early believers accepted persecution, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. God is not pleased with service when he preached to Nineveh through Jonah. Jonah gave his grudging service when he preached after spending three days in the belly of a great fish. Then he went to Nineveh because he had to. And when God blessed this ministry, Jonah became angry. He didn't serve joyfully, and God had to rebuke him for his disobedience. All too often our service is as grudging as Jonah's was. When we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that God would make us cheerful servants of Jesus Christ. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, where Paul said, Let each of you do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We give to God our money or our service in any other way, and our service is not pleasing to him. So God's will is to be done cheerfully, it's to be done universally, and we're praying also that God's will would be done constantly. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 15, John described a particular scene in heaven. He said, After these things I looked, and behold a great multitude which no one could number, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And he said to me, John says, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. All the creatures, angels and people in heaven, are giving God the glory and serving him constantly. When my family and I lived in California, there was a river near our house called the Santa Clara, Clara River. Most of the time, when we would go by that river, it would be dry. The only time there was water 
in it was when it rained and when the mountain snowed, when the mountain snow melted in the springtime. That river ran in fits and starts, not constantly. And it's a good example of the wrong way to do the will of God. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse, or Genesis chapter 49 and verse 4, Jacob said of his son Reuben that he was uncontrolled as water. In other words, he could not be trusted or relied on. All too often, that's true of us as well. We serve the Lord in fits and starts. At times we get excited and devote ourselves to doing God's will. We read the word, we witness, we come to church, and we seek after God. But then we lose our enthusiasm and our dedication begins to falter. This doesn't happen in heaven. In heaven, God is served and worshiped day and night, constantly. When we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that God would help us to serve him constantly every hour and every day of our lives. Charles Spurgeon, in a sermon on the perseverance of the saints, remarked that most new believers are excited about hearing the word of God. They're excited about praying. They're excited about being part of the fellowship of God's people. They're excited about reaching out and talking to others about their faith. But then Spurgeon noted that all believers tend to run out of steam. He gave the example of Noah, who sinned in drunkenness in his old age. And he gave the example of others as well. In truth, there are many of us, like the Galatians, of whom Paul said, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ. You were running well. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? That's Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. And so we need to pray, Lord, help me to be constant in doing your will. And so when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that God's will would be done universally, that God's will would be done cheerfully, and that God's will would be done constantly. So we'll stop this particular podcast at this point for us to reflect on whether or not we are doing God's will universally, cheerfully, and constantly. And we're being challenged to pray that we might do God's will cheerfully, universally, and constantly. And we'll pick up in the next podcast about other aspects of what it means to do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven.